Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? It's good to be with you. It's good that God has given us a new day to breathe, to love, to know Him, to make amends for what we have done, what we have failed to do, to strive toward our goals, to be all that God made us to be. It's a perfect day to do that. And it is the beginning of the rest of our life. As the saying goes, it is begin anew every single day. Every single day. The past does not determine our future, but God never wastes our past. If we have had an awful past, God will use it so that we can help hurting people. If we've had a wonderful past, um, then God will use it also to serve the world. God will, he will never waste a thing never waste a thing. Sometimes when women come into the community and they've been a lawyer or a doctor, I've had psychiatrists come in and different people, and they they wonder if their education and their past will be um, useless. And I say, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, God will never waste anything. He'll use your background. He'll use all that he's given you in religious life or whatever uh, vocation you have as a mother, whatever it is, he will he will use it. But in religious life, we need to die first. We need to die to self first. And of course, in outside, and not in religious life, that would be the way to freedom and peace and holiness. Also, to die to self. Saint Paul says, "I die daily." So we die to, and he died not to awful things, but to his successes. And he says, I forget what lies behind and move on to the high call of God in Christ Jesus. So um, the only way God can multiply the gifts he's given us for the world is if we first die to them and then let him give them back to us and do with us what he wishes. It's, It's the way to happiness and freedom. I know, I know, I know, I know. Okay, so now. Let me see where we left off. Um, Right here, um, we are in the section now of the Holy Scriptures and Tradition, the teaching of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, the Catechism Explained. Uh, It's absolutely wonderful. And, um, uh, And in those days, well, here's where we ended yesterday. The fact is that we are that Catholics, when this was following the Council of Trent, um, were not permitted to read any version of the Bible that they chose because they're not all complete, they're not all legitimate, um, because the unaltered text um, and true explanation of it are known only to be found in the Catholic Church because the greater part of it is very difficult to understand. That's why we have scholars who study Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic 
and write tons and tons and tons of books. And you're going to pick up two books by two different scholars and you're going to find differences. But God gave the Bible to and through the Catholic Church and it is the Catholic Church to whom he's given the faith wants to live it to the saints and the understanding of what he meant by what he says, which is why um, uh, now St. John Henry Cardinal Newman has said to dig deep into history is to cease to be Protestant because when you dig deep into history past past Luther, past 500 years ago and go back 2,000 years, you see of the writings of the early church fathers who were discipled by the apostles, by the evangelists, and they knew what they meant by what was written through them. And so this goes on to say it is only to the Catholic Church, that is to the apostles and their uh, successors, the bishops, that our Lord has promised the gift of the Holy Spirit and that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hence, the Holy Scriptures, out of which out of which the Catholic Church draws her teaching, cannot possibly be altered or corrupted. Heretics have, on the other hand, sometimes changed the meaning of particular passages in their own favor, or have admitted whole portions if they did not please them. And I remember, uh, well, I don't remember, but I remember learning that... um, in the synagogues, uh, Isaiah is omitted from from their scriptures, uh, the Tanakh, the Old Testament, in the in what we would be comparable to our missiles. Of course, I never knew that because I never read it, and I didn't know it was missing until I looked into Christianity, and then I saw it. Why was it taken out? Because it speaks of Jesus. It speaks of Jesus. Um, And every Jewish person will say, no, it doesn't, but yes, it does. Um, There's a a story about a um, public school. I think I've told this once before, at least, um, where in New York, when I grew up, the scriptures were uh, read over the loudspeaker every morning in public school to the entire school. And because the majority of population was Jewish, even in a public school where I lived, um, that it was agreed that only the Old Testament scriptures would be read, the Tanakh, the Bible of the, of the Jewish people. Um, and so they read only from that. And one morning they read over the um, uh, intercom a whole portion of scripture. And uh, he was... Uh, bruised for our iniquities, um, uh, by his stripes we are healed, as a lamb led to slaughter. Uh, I haven't haven't memorized it's, um, and the little boy went home and said, "Mom, Mom, they read from the New Testament this morning." She said, "Impossible." She was irate, and she went to the school with the, her her son, and went straight to the principal's office. Didn't make an appointment, just very upset. And she said, my boy said that the New Testament was written, was read this morning. And the principal said, oh, no, no, we wouldn't do that. Um, and, and the mother insisted on what her boy said. He said, well, let's settle this. And the, the principal called the teacher into his office who read 
the scripture over the intercom. And he read, um, oh, this is, it, it's too good for me to, oh, I don't have my Bible with me. Can you imagine that I don't have my Bible with me? Um, it's in the chapel right now. I left it in there. Let me just, um, hold on. I, this is too wonderful for me. I'm going to look it up. Um, here, I'm, I'm getting there. It's Isaiah chapter 6, uh, chapter 53, rather. Isaiah uh, uh, chapter 53. Uh, Isaiah 6 is where um, uh, David walked into the temple and had a vision of God. And he said, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. Um, You're almost done. And I lift, live... Chrome followed by ad extension. Hold on a minute. I don't know what just happened. Hold on. Sorry about this. If you're listening radio and not looking, you're wondering what's happening. Everybody else is is watching me look up Isaiah 53. Okay, here we go. Um, okay. I have many things up here on the web, Isaiah 53, but I, but I want um, a particular version that I use, which is the uh, St. Ignatius Revised Standard Version. It's what I understand the absolute best version. Here it is. I've got it. Very literal, very wonderful. Let me just get that version. I know it's taking me time. I'm not a whiz. I'm not a whiz. It begins, who has believed our report. Um, All right. We got it. Thank you, Lord. Now, we've got it. Let me just refresh this. Our computers are as efficient as they can be, and we get impatient if they take more than five seconds, right? Right. Um, Okay, here we go. I'm going to read this, beloved. It's just just too glorious. And in public school, the um, teacher didn't read the whole thing. He read only a portion of it. And so this says, let me see if I can go down. Yep. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Oh, dear. Oh, dear. See, by the time I got that, we went for a break. All right. Beloved, there's the music for our break. This is too beautiful. It really shocked my Jewish mind before I was a Christian when people read this to me. I could not believe this was in Scripture that it was an Old Testament, because I never read the New Testament, nor would I dare even pick it up. And I was astounded with this. We will read it when we come back from the break. And after the break, we'll have one more segment before the second break. And then for a whole half hour, we'll take your calls and texts and emails. And the toll-free number is uh, 1-877-511-5483. You can text at that number as well or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. 
There's so much confusion in our world today over what love is. By displaying a Catholic radio bumper magnet on your car, you'll help others understand love as designed by God. Order your free bumper magnets at thestationofthecross.com. Just click on the Promote tab at the top of our website. We'd be happy to send bumper magnets for your listening area so that others can come to know the Lord. That's thestationofthecross.com and click on the Promote tab. Thank you for sharing Catholic Radio on the road. Tune in weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern for Sermons for Everyday Living, a program that brings you real sermons from real priests on topics important to you and your faith. Visit thestationofthecross.com for details. We stand at a crossroads in history. We can stand up for life, family, and a Christian culture, or we can stand idly by while the fabric of society becomes fundamentally anti-life, anti-family, and anti-Christian slowly leading to its own demise. LifeSite News is the leading defender of life, family, and Christian culture. Through our news reporting, we seek to educate readers with information and zeal. They need to fight the most crucial battles of our day, and we need your help to continue that mission. You can support LifeSite News by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Another way to support LifeSite is to prayerfully consider becoming a Sustained Life monthly donor to help us continue to save lives in the culture. To donate, visit give.lifesitenews.com forward slash sustained life. Our staff of over 40 and millions of future generations, thank you for helping to save the culture. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved um, we are going through uh, Scripture and Tradition in the Catechism Explained, and we came to a portion where um, uh, it is speaking about why Catholics, um, and, and we're looking at a few hundred years ago, were not permitted uh, to choose any version of the Bible. Yes, to read it, but not to choose any version, because there were um, so many um, mistranslations and uh, truncated Bibles and all of that. And so they wanted to protect Catholics from getting a good, full Catholic Bible. And I was giving the um, uh, example of when I grew up in the synagogue, the book of Isaiah wasn't in there. I didn't know that until I became a Christian. And uh, as I was looking into Christianity, it was the Jews for Jesus in California who brought me to Isaiah 53. And I was I was astounded by what it said. I couldn't believe what it said because I had never read it and I couldn't believe it was in the Old Testament. And so I was telling the story of one little boy in the public school in New York where they read from the Old Testament uh, because it was such a high Jewish population over the loudspeaker, the intercom into all the classrooms every single morning. Can you imagine that happening today? Um, And so one morning... 
the teacher read from uh, what the little boy didn't know uh, was Isaiah 53, but he didn't know that. And um, the teacher read he was um, despised and rejected like one from whom people hide their faces. Um, Let's see. He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that um, brought us peace was on him. And the little boy went home and said, no. He said, Mom, they read from the New Testament. They read about Jesus this morning. And the mother said, no, 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 no way. And the mother went to the principal with the little boy and said, my boy said you read from the New Testament this morning and you read about Jesus. And the principal said, I assure you, ma'am, we would not have done that. And she said, my boy knows what he heard. And so the principal called the teacher in. And he asked the teacher to read what he read over the uh, intercom that day. And this is what he read. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. You can tell this is a modern version. It should say by men, not rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God stricken by him and afflicted but he and this is the part that the little boy was referring to he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities the punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed and it went on to say we all like sheep have gone astray each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It goes on a bit. The teacher read that, and the mother of the boy said to the principal, See, see, he was reading from the New Testament about Jesus. And the teacher said, No, no, not so. I was reading from your Old Testament scriptures. You are right. I was reading about Jesus, but from your Old Testament. This is a true story, beloved. It's amazing, you see? And so the rabbis struggle with that. They say that, oh, there's my hiccups, I'm sorry. They say that he's, it's not talking about Jesus, it's talking about Israel. But Israel was not bruised for our iniquities and wounded for our transgressions and the punishment of us all put on Israel. Absolutely not. I'm going to take a little bit of sugar. Excuse me a moment. Okay, so sorry, I'm back. You've heard the expression, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Well, a quarter of a spoonful of sugar helps the hiccups go away. It's miraculous. Okay, let me continue to read this now. 
<clears throat> it is not only to the Catholic Church, that is, to the apostles and their successors, the bishops, that our Lord has promised the gift of the Holy Spirit, and that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. <clears throat> Hence, the Holy Scripture, set out of which, or rather out of which the Catholic Church draws her teaching, cannot possibly be altered or corrupted. Heretics have, on the other hand, sometimes changed the meaning of particular passages in their own favor, or have omitted whole portions if they did not please them. Thus, Luther rejected the epistle of St. James. This is where we read yesterday. We're just picking up where we left off. Because the apostle says that faith without works is dead. The difficulty of understanding Holy Scripture is a further reason for the church's restrictions. How few there are who can honestly say that they thoroughly understand the epistles that are read at Mass, and these are chosen for their simple, practical character. St. Peter himself says that in the epistles of St. Paul, there are some things hard to be understood, and that the unstable would pervert these to their own destruction. I've seen it happen, beloved. Um, St. Augustine says, there are more things in the Bible, quote from St. Augustine, hang on just a moment, there are more things in the Bible that I cannot understand than those I can understand. The prophetical books are especially obscure. Hence, the necessity of an authentic exposition of the Bible is necessary. Hence, the necessity of the authentic exposition of the Bible. Heretics often um, give half a dozen different meanings to the same passage. The Catholic Church is the authority that God has appointed to explain the Holy Scripture. For her, the Holy Spirit has been given. For to her, the Holy Spirit has been given. The child brings... Um, we did read this yesterday. I'm sorry, beloved. I'll just finish it. The child brings the nut, N-U-T, that has been given it to the mother to be cracked. On the um, And so the Catholic comes to the church for the explanation of the Bible. We talk about cracking open the Bible. This is why only the Bible with explanatory notes are allowed to Catholics. That was the case. Now they're quite reduced to um, uh, references and so forth. But we do have we do have good study Bibles. Okay, let me just see where we are going to go on now. Um, The second point in this, which we did begin yesterday, is that the truths of divine revelation, which have not been written down in the pages of Holy Scripture, but have been transmitted by word of mouth, are called tradition. With a capital T. Not the tradition of men that our Lord condemned, but the tradition given by God through his apostles. The apostles received from our Lord the command to preach, not to write. Their writings are concerned more with the doings than with the teaching of Christ. 
Hence, their instructions on points of doctrine are very incomplete. They themselves say that there is much that they have delivered to the faithful by word of mouth. That's second, um, let's see now, second John 12, first Corinthians 11, 2, John 21, 25. I think in that passage is where um, um, Jesus said that all the books, there's so much more that he taught, the Apostle John wrote, that all the books of the world couldn't contain it. Accordingly, we are referred to tradition. It is by tradition, capital T, that our Lord instituted seven sacraments. It is by tradition. I think we are repeating from yesterday, but I think maybe our Lord would have us do this. It is by tradition that we are taught that there is a purgatory, that Sunday is to be kept holy, and that infants are to be baptized. It is tradition which teaches us what books belong to the Holy Scriptures, etc. I was once listening to a very beloved evangelical, uh, he's called a scholar, R.C. Sproul, um, in my evangelical years. I just um, had enormous respect for him. And he had an entire series of tapes, I think there were 12 tapes, on the Catholic Church. It was amazing. And I bought it because he was teaching against the Catholic Church. He's not Catholic. And his tapes helped me into the Catholic Church. It was amazing. They helped me into the Catholic Church. And he himself said that the Protestants <clears throat> have a fallible canon of Scripture. Fallible, meaning that they don't, they're not sure they have all the books but that the Catholic Church has an infallible, at least that's the claim, an infallible canon. And it is the claim, and it is the truth. All the books that are in the Catholic Bible are infallible, and they, that is the canon of Scripture put together by the popes and bishops of the 3rd and 4th century, Carthage and Hippo, or maybe um, 4th and 5th century. And it's infallible. And that's the canon of the Catholic Church today. But again, Luther took out seven uh, books um, at the Reformation and uh, uh, parts of uh, Daniel and Esther and other things, I think. Okay. Let me see where I... It is tradition which teaches us of what books belong in Holy Scripture... A tradition comes down to us from the time of the apostles, just as those who follow up the course of a stream gradually draw near to the fountainhead and thus discover how far the water flows. So we can search out the historical sources of teaching of the earlier centuries of the church and arrive at our true doctrine. Every doctrine that has always been believed in by the universal church comes down to us from the apostles. If, therefore, there is any doctrine of the church that we do not find in Holy Scripture, we shall find it in the stream of tradition and shall be able to trace it up to the first ages of Christianity. That's why I became Catholic, beloved. I dug deep into history right back to the apostles.
The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. Users of iCatholic Radio are leaving inspiring reviews in the iTunes and Google Play stores. Margie says, My go-to app. I love this channel. I can listen while busy around the house or driving in the car. I love the variety of programs. Keep up the good work. Michaela from New Zealand says, I love this app. I have it on Bluetooth in my car radio and listen to it all day, every day, and am encouraged in my Catholic faith. I would recommend this to the world, whether Christian or not, because it speaks to all people to become better people. I am now a huge follower of the American Catholic way of life because it's very similar to the way I was brought up in Fiji. The priests on the station are very straightforward, but are very understanding toward the audience at the same time. Love it, love it, love it. If you haven't reviewed iCatholic Radio yet, we'd love to hear from you. Visit our page at the iTunes or Google Play Store. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved family. It's good to be with you, and we have a whole half hour all to ourselves for you to call in or text or email. Um, we have a call from my brother, Kurt, in Boston. Hi, Kurt. Hi, Mother Mary. I'm talking to you on a daily basis. I love it, Kurt. You're a dear soul. Um, well, I'm, I'm trying, and, you know, sometimes my worst enemy is that guy in the mirror. And, uh, uh, tell me about it. Yeah, he seems to be bothering me on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of have an idea of where I'm at with I do family members who are drug addicted, with transgender people raising my grandson, with with all kinds of messes. And I I, I try to do everything right, and it, and you know it just seems to be just when you think you got it all going and and, and happy with it. It just seems as another dimension comes involved, and you get deeper and deeper into the into the lifestyles of other people, and you feel that I pray. Believe me, I, I I'm praying even more. And I, if you can, I, I might see if we can answer my own question. The more I pray, the more grace I get. The more the attacks are going to increase. Is that a good way of looking at it? Two and two is four. 
Two and two is four, Kurt, and never give up because if you're happy, if you're satisfied, God will surely mess that up for you because he wants you to keep depending on him and he wants you to know that you're doing things right is not the entire answer, that apart from him we can do nothing. And so the answer is love. We love him because he first loved us and what you need to do is just pour your love out on your family. They know where you stand. No, I, I know, and and you know, if I if I look at it, I, I kind of look back, and, and you hate to bring up past experiences because you just give more credence to it. But like when I was six years old, I, I try to go back to when I wasn't baptized. My father died in front of me when I was six. He was a Catholic, and I won't get into the story, but I've offered masses for him. But I always felt responsible and I've dealt with it the best I could I've, I've confessed it I, I've confessed all my past sins and even when they come up um, I'll, I'll bring them up just to get the grace of the sacrament and um, anger is probably mixed in there and of course I get hit in work I get hit everywhere because sometimes I think like with my grandson, I'm trying, he's struggling with math and he's going to Catholic school. And of course, if you fail one subject, you can't go back there. And it's bothering me because every year he gets one more year. You know, it's costing me a lot of money. My wife is on, you know, uh, anti-anxiety medication, all that stuff, low blood pressure. So not getting involved in it. It's just, you get always caught at a crossroads. And I'm, I, I always feel like I'm, I'm ready to go off the edge, you know, but I just continue. And I, I've been living this life like this in my mind ever since I've been a Catholic. Mm. I can honestly say. But I, and I've been a Catholic since 92. Kurt, you know, I, Kurt I have a thought. Um, it's certainly not the way for you to live life. And I think God would, I don't know the situation with your dad, but I I don't know that God would have you feeling even in part responsible for his death. I I can't say. I haven't, I don't know the story. But Of course I'm not. I know that. Well, um, the child, you know, when, when New York blacked out some years ago, uh, I was in New York at the time, and uh, it blacked out the entire city, and um, a little eight-year-old boy turned himself into the police and told the police he caused it. And the police said, what are you talking about? Because the, the little boy took the police to the lamppost that he kicked. And the minute he kicked the lamppost, the entire city went out. <laughs> so he knows yeah. he caused it. You know, it's a child's perspective. He, he can only see so far. He can't see other things. So, um, but with me, Kurt, it was, I, I had the measles. My mother left me there to go out. My father had a heart attack the day before. I remembered it like it was yesterday. This was 1965, March 26. And I had to stay home because I had the measles. And my father just walked out of the hospital the night before. He was a uh, Battle of the Bulge World War II vet. And um, 
you know, he didn't like hospitals. So he came home. I remember standing at the door, came in with his Johnny. She said, you know, um, I'll be right back. Um, and I remember him laying on the couch and, and dying. And I remember going across the street and um, I see the body bag coming down the stairs, you know. But I've had masses said for him, and I've done a lot for him. And I, I leave it there, you know. I I felt, I mean, these were beyond my control. I was only... Of course you know, it is. My goodness, control. of course it is. My goodness. Right. Um, and a number of other things, not to get into it. So anyway, I've always tried to confess. Like, when I go to confession... I'll always say, forgive me, Father, it's been X amount of days. These are my sins. These are the conditions of my sins. These are what I did, how I thought. And I try not to get into it. And I might bring up a few stresses in my life just to show the pressure that's under it. But, you know, where I've acted, you know, sins of commission, omission, I'm always trying to cross the T's and dot the I's. And... You know, I can go on and on with this, but, you know, I, I've been around a lot of people dying over the years. You know, I've lost all my family. I've had 11 people, 12 people die, starting with my brother in 97 who got electrocuted three days after his confession, you know. And, of course, two of his sons were found dead two years apart from oh, drug overdose. Goodness, Kurt. Kurt, and listen. I can go my, on my, and on, but all this is a, is a battle, I guess. It and is, I Kurt. Think, and, it and is sweet. The way, the way the way that I look at it is, I became Catholic, and I thank God I did, because I had a heart attack when I came into the church waiting for my annulment, <laughs> and um, <sighs> I went through all of it, you know, and I, I seeked it out, so to speak, and that's why my questions and everything else. But here I am again. I probably it's funny. I work for a company that has the word control in it. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I, I have a triple A personality and I'm, and I'm trying to give up my control. I go to a men's group twice a month. Say the Kurt, let me ask you a question. Sure. Uh, how many children do you have? I'll, I have one adult stepdaughter who is 42 living out in the streets, as you know. And um, I'm raising my grandson. All right. How old is your grandson? He's 16. <laughs> All right. Well, who's the youngest little boy or girl in your family? Is it your grandson? He is. All right. My now, grandson. yeah, it's me, right. my wife, and my grandson. Yeah. Okay. And and I know there's transgender people involved there. Um, and I've got the other person who's raising my other grandson. Yeah. That person, I get to go to confession, and that person goes to confession, goes to mass, and and does all that. That person's 67 years old. And to add a little spot to the fire, that person just lost uh, their father at 94, who they were taking care of. And, of course, yeah. that person was a recovering addict mm-hmm. and slipped What up a once. mess. Now I got DCF involved. What a mess. And Kurt, Kurt yeah. God has given you a strong spirit for all you've been through. And I have an assignment for you, my brother. Your assignment, your project, is to begin, and maybe you've done it, thanking God. Lord, I don't understand why my grandfather died as he did, 
and my father, yeah, or your father, rather, right? Where yeah, uh, your yeah. f- father died after the heart attack, as he did, and you had the measles. Lord, I don't understand that whole scenario, but I thank you for it because your ways are perfect, and I'm not going to take right. responsibility because that would be pride on my part. I did not cause right. that. No, no. Uh, right. <clears throat> and begin to thank God, not for the tragedies, but that you. Lord, I know you allowed them, and that's all I need to know. I know that my entire life, nothing has touched me, one tragedy after another, that you have not allowed. And if you have allowed it, Lord, I trust you for it. More than that, I, I thank you for it. And here's one other thought, Kurt. Sure. If you can picture your, your grandson... Let's say he's lied to you. I'm, I'm not saying he's done any of this. Let's just say he's he's right, lied. No, maybe right, maybe he right. stole something. Maybe he didn't do his homework. Maybe he didn't show gratitude for your helping him with school. And maybe this, maybe that. And he comes to you one day with a real sincere heart. He says, Grandpa, uh, whatever he calls you, he says, I, you know, I, I'm sorry for this. I'm really sorry for that. And I'm sorry for this. And I'm sorry for that. You know, you're not even interested in what he's sorry for you would just be thrilled that he has a penitent heart and that god's grace has got a hold of him the the incidences almost fade away because the issue is his heart and that's for you to realize when you go to confession you can confess everything and the number and the circuit and all of that over and over again but know that God sees your heart, and um, you don't have to be scrupulous. If something's bothering you, don't hold it back. You confess it. That's the way to do it. Right. Um, right. But know that it's, it's your heart that God sees and has made very beautiful and has poured his grace into it. So spend your life. You, you could write a book, a tragic book, but spend your life oh, yeah. now in thanksgiving because God will waste nothing and will use you for his kingdom because of all he's allowed you to be through. Because, you know, you know, it's funny, Mother Miriam, is the following year, my grandfather died. Mm-hmm. And he was a Freemason. I, yes. <laughs> and, you know, I came from a Protestant background. but mm-hmm. And then my oldest brother went into the service. So it was just me the brother that got killed in the electrical explosion, and my mother. And, of course, you know, the upbringing wasn't there, but if you fast forward, then I met my wife. I That, that failed attempt at marriage uh, didn't work, and there was no kids involved. But, as usual, it was, it was living in sin. But I went to church through my mother-in-law. I was taking her to church. And all these things came in, and before I knew it, I'm becoming Catholic. And I went for an annulment because I couldn't come into the church until I could get my marriage done in the church. So I kind of went through a double. And my my wife now typed up everything. I went to confession. And it was funny because it was the most longest <laughs> act of contrition I ever said. I said, the act of contrition, the confidior and the Nicene Creed. And when yes. the priest stopped laughing, he goes, that's the longest act of contrition I yeah. have ever heard in yeah. my 50 years. Yeah. But ever since then, then, mm-hmm. you know, 
my mother and father-in-law both died, and he came back to the church. My brother-in-law, I got him a priest on his deathbed. I got a priest for my brother on his deathbed. I got priests for my mother-in-law, my mother, my father-in-law. I said the whole Latin mass on my father-in-law on Christmas Eve when he was dying, wow. and I said the whole thing. Kurt, sweetheart, there's the music for our break, dear one. Um, You're a dear... Thank you for listening Yes, sweetheart, you're a dear brother and a dear soul, and walk through life giving thanks to God, telling everybody how wonderful he is, because he what he's brought you out of, and on your way to heaven. We do, we do, Kurt. God bless you, my dear one. Everyone else, feel free to call in during this break. Um, toll free one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. We'll be right back to take Kimberly's text. If you're new to iCatholic Radio, welcome to the free mobile app of the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. It's available for download to your Android and Apple mobile devices. If you have any questions about your new app, please contact us at thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. That's thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. Through your new app, you can listen to podcasts of shows, conference talks, and prayers. View our programming grid, call us directly, and check out our mobile website. You can even learn how you can promote iCatholic Radio in your community. Connect with us through social media and financially support the programming you love. That's all available on your iCatholic Radio mobile app. Thank you for joining our iCatholic Radio family, proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the Internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to uh, Mother Miriam Live. I am she. I am here, and I'm delighted to speak with you and take your calls and your emails. Um, We spent a little more time with Kurt than we normally do, but um, he's uh, simply a dear brother who's been through a lot. 
Um, and we pray for him, and we pray for all of you. We'll take a text from Kimberly, um, who says, There are a couple of places in the Bible in which Jesus' disciples call him rabbi. I know this min- means teacher, but was Jesus really a rabbi in the same sense that Jewish rabbis are known today? I don't think so. Um, from what I've seen, there's no evidence that he was officially trained as a rabbi. Um, and it is the term for teacher. And in fact, uh, one thing I looked up said that um, uh, that was a term rabbi specifically used by the Pharisees, um, by that one sect of the Jewish people. And yes, it means teacher, but not as we think of a rabbi over a synagogue today. Okay. Uh, we have a text from Greg. When we pray, Greg asks, are there types of prayer in which it is more appropriate to focus our prayers toward God the Father versus the Son versus the Holy Spirit? Um, I don't know that it's more appropriate. There are prayers that are more focused toward God the Father. Uh, we, the Our Father, we pray to God the Father. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We're praying to God the Father. Uh, the Son, um, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Uh, Lord Jesus, um, have mercy on me, a sinner. We have many prayers to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of thy people. Uh, the faithful, enkindle in them the fire of thy love and send forth thy spirit and so forth. So we have prayers to each person of the Trinity, but I don't know that it's necessarily more appropriate to have our prayers focused toward any one person of the Trinity. Although, here here might be an example where it is. Let's say we're sitting down to study the Bible or to read it. We may pray to the Holy Spirit, who's its author, and say, Holy Spirit, fill my heart and show me, help me to understand your word, because it was written by men moved by the Holy Spirit who spoke from God. So that would be an example where the prayer was focused on the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, maybe uh, to the Son, the litany of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, Sacred Heart of Jesus, have mercy on us. That's the Son. And again, God the Father, we pray the Our Father umpteen times a day. And there are there are other prayers as well. So yes, um, there are times, types of prayer where it's more imp- appropriate, or at least where we do focus on a person of the Trinity. Uh, Rich says, when Jesus was on the cross, in an email, when Jesus was on the cross, at one point he cries, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I've heard two interpretations of this statement. The first is that Jesus was beginning to quote one of the Messianic Psalms, specifically Psalm 22, in order to draw attention to the fact that he was at that moment fulfilling it. However, excuse me, he was so weakened by his passion that he could not quote it further. That's not true. Um, Because he went on... uh, uh, with other words from the cross, other quoting other psalms after that. And he wasn't too weak. He's, he's God, and he um, chose very carefully what he um, quoted from. 
In fact, when my mother, who was brought up in an Orthodox Jewish home, um, uh, understood that that she that Psalm twenty two were the words of our Lord on the cross. It's what brought her into Christianity. She was floored by that because every Yom Kippur, every Day of Atonement, uh, we would sing. Um, um, I'm not going to pronounce the Hebrew or the, or the Aramaic rites. I shouldn't go there. Eloi, Eloi, Lamach, Sabatani, something like that. I'm messing it up. But she she recognized it. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He did quote Psalm 22 in addition to other Psalms, but he did not not go past it uh, because he was weak. He, that's all he intended to quote. Rick says, Rich says the second interpretation is that at that moment God the Father severed his connection to God the Son because it was necessary for Jesus dying in our place to experience this sense of abandonment in order to provide at least the possibility of atonement even for those who would refuse it and end up experiencing separation from God for all eternity. And I'm sorry, Rich said, how do you interpret this? Well, I'm not the scholar to interpret it, but my understanding is that um, Jesus died on the cross for our sin. That's the bottom line. And sin separates us from God. The payment from sin is death. There's no sin in Jesus, the God-man. He became a sin offering for us. Our sins were put on him. And because our sins were put on him, God needed to put him to death as the sacrificial lamb for us. The the lamb who took away the sins of behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So God had to forsake him. But he God can't die. It's it's a great mystery and I'm not going to aptly explain it, but it was the humanity of Jesus crying, why hast thou forsaken me? Because he never gave up being God. Um, He never gave up the exercise of his godhood. He gave up its manifestation, but he could never, God can't give up being God. So why he died for the entire world, whether the entire world believes him or rejects him. He died for everyone who ever had lived and whoever will live. For every single soul Beloved, if you're listening, he died for you no matter what religion. If you're Jewish, if you're Muslim, if you're atheist, whatever you are, he loves you and he died for you. If you reject his love and you don't give your life to him, he gives you free will. He doesn't make us robots. He doesn't force us to love. But he died for every single soul that every single soul might live forever with him in eternity. And that's why uh, he cried out, why hast thou forsaken me on the cross? Because he had to feel the separation from God as a, as a perfect, sinless offering, human being. Um, and uh, then God would put him to death. Um, and of course, he wasn't a dead sacrifice because he's God. He rose from the dead. He rose from the dead by his own power. God raised him from the dead but he also rose from the dead by his own power, which vindicated him, Paul said in the letter to the Romans, vindicated him. The resurrection of the dead vindicated him as the very Son of God and God himself, the Son of God and God the Son. So, Rich, I hope that 
helps you some. Um, so I think um, uh, both interpretations have some truth in them that you gave me, but basically he died as a lamb for sinners slain. Um, and Psalm 22 was one of several psalms he quoted on the cross. The Seven Last Words of the Cross. You should get a book by that title by Father George Rutler or by Bishop Fulton Sheen, The Seven Last Words from the Cross, and you'll, you'll have it. It's very, very beautiful. In fact, the very last one when he said to God, uh, Into thy hands I commend my spirit, that was Psalm 31, that he learned as a child and prayed before he went to bed with his mother Mary, just like we pray, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Psalm 31 is what, or 31 and 32 is what our Lord prayed on the cross because he learned it as a child. So God bless all of you and we'll speak with you tomorrow.